The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. So we are in the last Sunday of the Five Foundations, which is... uh, uh, really celebrating the Reformation that happened 500 years ago and five foundations uh, that were kind of renewing our the faith that uh, some things that had been forgotten. And so we started with Scripture alone, the importance that Scripture is where we uh, get our truth about God, faith alone, that it's by faith alone, that we come into a relationship with God. It's Christ alone. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Grace alone, that it's nothing we deserve. We can't do anything. We can't be good enough. But it's just by God's grace that we can come into a relationship with Jesus. And it all culminates in this morning, which is God's glory alone, that all of it is for God's glory. Um, So we're going to wrap things up this morning. And to do that, I want you to begin to imagine or imagine uh, that we're in the last two minutes of the Super Bowl. And it just so happens that the Seahawks are in the Super Bowl. This, this isn't a prophecy. This is just, um, it's just an ex- illustration, okay? Uh, the Su- Seahawks are in the Super Bowl, as are the New England Patriots. It's the, the last two minutes. And I'm sorry, but the Seahawks are down by 13. Uh, the Seahawks have the ball on their own 25-yard line. And... Uh, and not an uncommon thing, all of a sudden the offense comes alive um, the last two minutes. Um, there's a pass, another pass, a long run, a pass, and then touchdown. 40 seconds left. Uh, the crowd is like excited, like, is the impossible possible? Could this actually happen? Everybody's on their feet, jumping up and down. The Seahawks attempt an onside kick. 40 seconds left. It's successful. Okay, I'm, this is a happy thing, you know. <laughs> it's successful, and they recover the ball on their own 40-yard line. Uh, no timeouts left. There's an incompleted pass and there's a dropped pass Um, they try a run stopped at the line of scrimmage fourth down and we're talking about 20 seconds left and ticking Um, so my mind I was going to say John Will Russ Wilson right Russell Wilson I mean we're great friends I don't know why I forgot his name the uh, Russell Wilson drops back to pass, <laughs> you know, the, the Hail Mary thing, and miraculously touchdown. 
the extra point is good, and everybody is just going crazy. I mean, the Seahawks are amazing. Everybody thinks Seahawks are just... I mean, I can imagine what Melissa would be doing right now. Um, she'd be going crazy. Except for one guy. On, he's on the front row. And he's just sitting there. Um, he's smiling, but he's just taking it in, really showing no emotion, no excitement. I mean, nobody's really paying attention to him, except for one reporter. And the reporter kind of thinks, that's weird. Um, and so walks up to the guy and says, something wrong, buddy? Um, and he, no, no. Um, and uh, he says, Really? Um, just seems like you're not very excited about the win. Oh no, I'm I'm excited. Um, well, then why aren't you cheering and clapping? And the guy says, "Well, I don't, it just doesn't seem worth it to get all worked up and sweaty over a football game." Um, he says, "I didn't pay whatever you pay on the front row, thousand dollars. I don't." Um, he says, "I didn't pay a thousand bucks just to get all." bunch of exercise I came to just watch a game and um, and we think man is that guy like emotionally dysfunctional does he have a personality disorder and uh, but you know what we need to know about this guy is if you saw him working on his stamp collection right stamps you know the things you put on envelopes if you saw him working on his stamp collection, you'd see a guy that is just crazy excited. I mean, you talk to him about stamps, about, you know, whatever you talk about with stamps. <laughs> um, I, I had a stamp collection when I was younger. I can't remember now because that was a long time ago. Uh, you know, watermarks and the new series that are out and but you started talking to him about stamps and you couldn't get him to shut up. I mean, he's so excited about stamps. And that's kind of the way it is, isn't it? I mean, some of us are, I mean, he's not jumping up and down about stamps, but you can't shut him up and everything's exciting about stamps. Um, what is it that excites you? I mean, what is it that you can't quit talking about? food probably for some of you I mean I mean, some of you are crazy about donuts I don't know who that would be um, we go to the fair and Cindy she always wants to look at the quilts she just and they're, they're gorgeous um, and I think they're gorgeous but I don't talk about quilts all the time um, we're <laughs> we were at an event on Thursday night in Seattle and one of the in, businesses that got an award was crazy about worm fertilizer. It doesn't really get me too excited. Um, Gardening, music, coffee, you know, we could go on and on. The big question as we come this morning and we think about what excites us is I want you to think, what would it look like for us for us to get really excited about how glorious God is. What would it look like for us to get really excited about how glorious God is? I mean, to where you just can't quit talking about him and we're excited about him. What would that look like?
So the big idea is we're going to talk about God's glory this morning is when God is seen as glorious, supremely glorious, I think we will be people who are completely crazy about him. Um, So as we talk about God's glory this morning, um, I think it can be a hard thing because, I mean, even talking about God's glory, I think for us, for almost all of us, it can almost seem like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, pass the mustard, you know. Um, it, it just seems so diminished compared to how exciting the Seahawks are or stamps or quilts or uh, food. What is it about God's glory that is so glorious? So we're going to look at six things that I hope will help really open our eyes again afresh to God's glory and how his glory can be restored in our lives. So we're going to look at six points and then we're going to look at some verses. And if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you at least to write down the verses so you can take them home and just meditate on the verses because they're great verses uh, to kind of open our eyes afresh to just God's supreme glory. So, the first thing is, the first point is, God is supremely glorious. I just want you to think, God is glorious beyond anything that is glorious. Um, Romans eleven thirty three to 36. Look at this. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. The depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? I mean, the answer is obviously no one. Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? No one. For from God and through God and for God are all things to God be the glory forever. Amen. God is glorious and to him be the glory forever amen Isaiah 6 1 to 5 Isaiah says in the year that King Uzziah died he got this vision of the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne in the train of his robe filling the temple the temple was a mammoth thing and just the train of his robe filling the temple and above him were seraphim angels each with six wings with two wings they cover their faces with two they cover their feet and with two they were flying and they were calling out to one another holy 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 is the lord almighty the whole earth is full of his glory and these majestic beings these angels are just crying out god there's no one like him in the whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, it says the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah cried out, woe is me, I am ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king, the glorious Lord Almighty. Have any of you gotten that glimpse of God? He's, he's glorious. Isaiah 42.8 kind of summarizes it. 
where God says, I am the Lord, that is my name. Back to Exodus 2 where God says, I am who I am. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. And anything else, is an, it's empty. I will not yield my glory to another because God alone is glorious. I mean, the point is God is more amazing than anything else. And depending on the language you use, you could say he's rad, he's dope, he's cool. But rain it in, okay? (laughs) But those are cheap words. I want you to, those are cheap words compared to how who God is, amazing, incredible, unlike anything and anyone else, because you could take those words and you multiply them by a million times and nothing compares to God. He alone is glorious, supremely glorious. I mean, a very simple but imperfect way of trying to understand this, if you were to imagine your favorite fantasy football team, you think, oh man, this is the dream team, you know? And you add to that your favorite actor or actress. You add your favorite artist, musician, person of history. Your favorite ice cream. That that raises it. Your favorite food that makes your mouth water. Your favorite bucket list place in all the world that you would want to go. Your favorite coffee shop. Well, we know where that is, right? (laughs) Okay. You can't leave until you agree with that, no? You add all those things together, those things that are incredible, they excite you, they, and you multiply it by a thousand times, and God is more glorious. He's the creator, he's the sustainer, he's the savior, he's the provider, he's life. He's glorious. Everything else pales compared to his glory. That's number one. Number two, we were made for God's glory, meaning God made us for himself. Isaiah 43, 7. Everyone who is called by my name, this is God speaking, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. That's why God made us. He made us for himself. He made us to experience his glory and live for his glory. And, and some of you might think, well, that's kind of self-serving, right? And, you know, if, if it had to do with anything or anyone else, that would be true. But if we get how glorious God is and that he's above everything else and everything holds together in him, that he's supremely glorious, it would be it would be wrong for him to make us for anything else, right, than for himself. He'd be cheating us. He'd be wronging us. If he said, well, you know, I'm the most amazing thing, but, but I'm going to make you for this. That would be wrong. And so God made us for himself. Just a little side note, if, because most of us have grown up being taught evolution, that Everything just evolved, happened by chance, randomly occurred. I, I challenge you, and if you need help, I, 
I give you some books to read. There is incredible, incredible evidence that God made everything, that creation happened, that that God designed it, that he made us and he made us for himself. And not to believe that is to cheat yourself of this beautiful understanding that you were made purposefully and you were made for God and for his glory. You weren't just by chance made and what's the point? God made us for himself. Um, You know, the point is we can do lots of things We can pursue lots of things, but none of which will satisfy us like God, by whom and for whom we were made. Number three, God's glory should erupt in our praise. So so God is supremely glorious. He made us for his glory, to, to enjoy his glory. And that should cause us to erupt. And I I want you to get that word to erupt in our praise of him. Um, It's kind of like, you know, you go to to Yellowstone National Park and Old Faithful is about ready to be faithful and and erupt. And you're not going to stop Old Faithful. I mean, it's just that force is going to, is going to pour out. And if we get, if we get, if you get how glorious God is, it will erupt in praise. Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 is a great passage because it talks about how glorious God is and how it will, it has to issue forth in praise. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Those were all God's doing. Verse 6, and it's to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And some of you are thinking, oh man, when is this going to be over? I, I don't want to miss the game. You're missing out on the glory. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things, everything in heaven and on earth under Christ. And there's more. In him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ, notice, might be for the praise of his glory, that his glory would issue forth in praise. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation 
When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And you see this passage gives, gives this whole picture, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and their part, incredible part in our salvation. Verse 14, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption, meaning the, uh, the eventual redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. We were made for God's glory and God's glory should erupt in our praise. Do you remember, you know, your first boyfriend or girlfriend or when you first fell in love and and you just couldn't shut up, right? Talking about you, um, you were just in love. Or maybe it was when you got your first job or your first car and you were so excited. Maybe when you made your first million dollars, you know. Um, if you did, I'd like to talk to you afterwards about a donation. The, uh, but maybe you can remember back to when you first fell in love with Jesus. And you couldn't quit talking about him. I mean, his amazing love for you. He died for you. And you talked about him all the time. God's glory should erupt in praise. Just like we talk about things that we're excited about that are so amazing to us that we got to talk about Jesus. What has happened? Number four. Number Not living for God's glory is appalling. Jeremiah 2, this is, a, this is a, an amazing passage. Not living, not recognizing God's glory should be appalling to us. Not, not even make sense. Verse 11, this is, it says, has a nation ever changed its gods, yet they're not gods at all? But notice, God says, my people have exchanged their glorious God. This is the God that that rescued them out of Egypt. He formed them as a nation from one man, Abraham, formed them as a nation, delivered them from Egypt, took them through the Red Sea, took them through 40 years in the wilderness, conquered all the pagan nations, made them into this incredible nation. And it says, they've exchanged this glorious God who did all that for them for the worthless idols of the nations that they conquered be appalled at this you heavens shudder with great horror declares the Lord I mean how can it even we wrap our minds around that God says my people have committed two sins they've forsaken me this spring of living water and have dug instead their own cisterns, meaning boxes, broken cisterns that can't even hold water. Choosing anything or anyone to satisfy our deepest heart needs and our and our longing for life instead of God, who is life, is absurd. It, it, it shouldn't even make sense to us. And yet we do it. I mean, the picture in Jeremiah is graphic. It's like, it's like imagine yourself, you're, you're dying of thirst and you're, you're, you're walking and you're, you're looking for water. You're in the mountains and, and you think you're going to die. 
You've never been so thirsty. And then you see this cool, refreshing, cold mountain stream. If you've never drunk out of a mountain stream, you don't, you're, you've missed something. It's, it's incredible. And so you stumble over it and you think, and you, you bend down to drink from this refreshing mountain stream and then you kind of glance over a mud puddle. And you, and you walk over and start drinking out of this mud puddle instead. Crazy, right? Ridiculous. And yet that's what we do all the time. We drink out of mud puddles. We, we seek life and excitement and joy and happiness in things that are broken cisterns. Forgetting that our God is so glorious that he is life. You know, the beautiful thing, number five, is that God in his grace continually opens our eyes to see his glory in the person of Jesus. Second Corinthians 4, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. It's a wonderful passage. It says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I mean, the enemy has blinded our minds, our eyes. So we, we look and we, don't, we, we see God and we see boring. And we look at all these other things, possessions, events, people, and we see exciting and it's because we've been blinded to true glory and we've we've accepted broken cisterns things that can't provide real life and joy and peace because our eyes become blinded and i think the enemy continually to to blind us to those things but god in his grace notice this but what we preach is not ourselves but jesus christ as lord and ourselves as your servants for jesus's sake For the God who said in Genesis 1, let there be light, let light shine out of darkness, is the same God who makes his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. You know, that's the incredible thing that the glorious God that the angels worshipped in Isaiah 6 is the same glorious God that came and walked among us. Jesus, he lived among us. He walked among, he displayed the glory of God. Then he went to the cross. He died and rose again so that we could experience the glory of God by grace and by faith so that we can see by God's grace the face of Christ. And I mean, to me, more important than anything else is that that would be our prayer this morning. God, open my eyes to see your glory, to see your glory in the face of Jesus that maybe I'm blinded to right now because so many other things seem more glorious. Isaiah 53, 6 says, all of us like sheep have wandered away from our creator. Each of us has turned to his own way, her own way. 
but the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the sin of us all. Isn't that incredible? In our wanderings, we lose sight of what is truly glorious, but God in his grace will open our eyes to see Jesus, his glory. And the result will be number six, that we will then have to live for God's glory. I mean, why would we want to do anything else? 1 Corinthians 10.31, kind of our last verse, says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That should be our lives, right? I mean, whether it's our diet, whether it's where we go, what we attend, what we watch, how we talk, whatever we do, it should all be for the glory of God because we are so captured by God's beauty by his grace, by the redemption that is ours in Jesus, by the incredible creation that we see when we walk out and in the fall we look at the trees. In the spring we look at the flowers, the winter, the snow, that we see it and and our lives need to be these eruptions that live for God's glory. God's glory deserves our our lives our lives so um, if you're a Seahawks fan great be a Seahawks fan I mean enjoy jump up and down I'm not going to do that I mean I'm guessing Nick did that yesterday when I Iowa State beat TCU yeah um, if you're into gardening man join a master gardeners group Talk to your friends about gardening. Whatever it is, stamps. I don't know I'm into stamps, but if you want my stamp collection, I still have it. Um, Whatever it is. I mean, God's gifts, the gifts that God has given us, our glorious God, are incredible. Enjoy them. Talk about them. Giggle. Laugh. I mean, enjoy God's gift. Gifts. But remember, put all those together. Multiply it by a million times and God, the glorious God, is more amazing and glorious than all those things put together. Don't cheat yourself out of life, out of joy, out of peace, out of excitement by settling for secondary glory. Broken cisterns. Don't cheat yourself out of real life and satisfaction and joy and peace by focusing on other things instead of our glorious God. Just a last final question. Is it possible that we've gotten so caught up with the gifts, with the glitter, that we've lost sight of true glory, our God? Let's pray. God, you are glorious and even saying that I feel so inadequate to even declare it God I just ask that you would open our eyes, open our minds open our hearts cause us to just long for life and joy and peace and excitement so much that we wouldn't settle for secondary things, we'd enjoy them but they wouldn't capture us We wouldn't want to be captured by any glory less than yourself. 
thank you. Amen.